Blind like I can't see. Time like I can't be. This dog trying to block all my light like it can't be. <laughs> oh, this can't be. I'm trying to do this on my own, and man, I'm getting antsy. Clothes looking fancy. Man, this is plan me. If I get to the light, right, I can stand free. Then I felt the dark start squeezing, heart start wheezing, detached from the source, hope my body start breathing. Now I'm surrounded, the dark start easing, chest, throat, every part start freezing. There gotta be a better way. This must mark dark season. But if the light is better, why the light not leading? Could it be I'm blind and I'm just not seeing that I need more light and there might be a reason? John 8, verse 12, says this. Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but have the gift of life. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. My name is Aswan. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm glad you've joined us this morning. Uh, if you've been journeying with us, uh, we've been in this uh, gospel series of just looking at the gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we've been slowly, methodically walking through John's gospel. And it's been good for me. Has it been good for anybody? Anybody been rocking with us? It's been really good. I love how John uses language and uses context to help us see Jesus. Because John is the triple OG. Original gangster. Just for the... John has a ton of history. John has been there with Jesus. He's old now when he's writing this, this account of his, of his gospel, uh, this account of Jesus' life. He's old now, but he's seen a lot. He's done a lot. John is the person who Jesus tells him when he's on the cross, um, hey, take Mary and take her as your mother. John is the one who runs to the tomb. He gets to the tomb with Peter, and he's the one who peers in and sees an empty tomb. John is the one who, who has outlived the other disciples, like, like Paul and Peter. He watched them get executed. And John is here now using his gospel to show the world, to show you and I, to show every reader, here's Jesus. This is the person that I need you to see. All I care about is you getting to know him. It's crazy. John doesn't have a birth account of Jesus, but he takes Jesus' life and he puts it on front stage so we can taste and see that the Lord is good. I love that about John. I love that about his gospel, that his intention is for us to see Jesus. So much so, John is the only one, and we've started last week, John is the only one who now uh, records these I am statements. And because that's John's focus, the I am statements are meant to say, you know what? <laughs> like uh, the, the modern-day prophet Jay-Z says, allow him to introduce himself. His name is Christ. <laughs> John is saying, let Jesus tell you who he is. 
And I love that. Let's let Jesus, he doesn't, he doesn't need a whole lot of people talking for him. He's going to tell us exactly who he is. I love that about John's gospel. He spends so much time giving us this one-on-one account so we can see Jesus. And it reminds me, um, man, as I think about getting wiser in life through age. Thank you, Jeff. But as I think about that, I'm re- I remember um, Inside Stuff. Anybody remember Inside Stuff? Dang, we dying off, man. This, we're not going to make it, man. We're not going to make it. I'm only 39, man. It's not... It's, whoa. I love how a Madrashad and Inside Stuff, which most of you may not know. You can't Netflix it either, so YouTube it, I guess. He sits down with these professional athletes. He, sit down, he sits down with Michael Jordan and Allen Iverson. This was in the 90s. And Kobe. And he sits down with them and he asks them these personal questions. He talks with them. He goes behind the scenes. He goes on walks with them down uh, their homes or places that they frequent or uh, walking behind the scenes when they do uh, community service stuff. And it gives you this real intimate picture of who these megastar athletes are. And I remember sitting there thinking, like, yo, I know Mike. I know Mike. I know AI. If I saw him, he would be like, yo, what's good? (laughs) And I didn't know them, but the point, Ahmad Rashad wanted us to see these athletes in a different light. In the same way, John is upholding the person of Jesus. He's putting him on front street so we can see who he is. John is our spiritual Ahmad Rashad. Amen. (laughs) But before we get into the text, right, Jesus says in John 8, I am the light of the world. And I want to unpack that just a little bit because uh, the Bible was not written to you, but it was written for you. And because of that, the way the readers would have heard John upholding these accounts, these claims of Jesus, uh, I want to make sure we can maybe put ourselves there and try to uh, hear it the way they would hear it. John, when he uh, uses this light imagery, he's always using this light imagery as it's connected to the Old Testament. And so in, in the Bible, light, God is light. And it's known throughout the ancient world that this association of light and God are connected. But then there are some some specifics that John wants us to know about the God of Israel. He says this. He says, it says in the Bible that uh, light, God, uh, light is associated with God's presence. God's presence. In Psalm 104.2, it says, he wraps himself in light. If I could sing. And darkness tries to hide. No, I don't do it, right? I know. I know. One day I'm going to get it, though. I'm going to practice. He wraps himself in light as if it were a robe spreading out the sky like a canopy. Light is associated with God's presence. And what is Jesus saying here? He's saying, uh, when I show up, the presence of God is is right here in me. Colossians, Paul says it this way, the fullness of the Godhead dwelled in Jesus in bodily form. Light is also associated with God's salvation. 
God is the one who saves. God is the one who does the heavy lifting. And the people in the ancient and in Bible times, they, they, I think they really understood this picture that God was the one who saved. Isaiah says this in Isaiah 60, verses 19 through 20. The sun will no longer be your light by day, and the brightness of the moon will not shine on you. The Lord will be your everlasting light. And your God will be your splendor. Your sun will no longer set and your moon will not fade. For the Lord will be your everlasting light and the days of your sorrow will be over. Jesus wants to make sure this association of God's presence and God's salvation is seen. Lastly, God's revelation. And I love this. In Psalm 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. I love how the other gospel writers say (laughs) Jesus is the exact representation of God's glory. Another, another, Another place in the Bible it says Jesus is the visible image of an invisible God. God's presence, God's salvation And God's revelation, the way we get to know the character and nature of God is we look at the person of Jesus. So Jesus doesn't want any mistakes. He's strategic about this claim. When he says, I am the light of the world, this is the backdrop, some of the backdrop of which he says it. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, the Bible also talks about darkness, and darkness is just the opposite. Everything the the opposite of that. There is no God's presence. There is no hope for salvation. There is nothing that can be revealed to you because you are in darkness. And we're going to talk about some of those, uh, what that means to us a little bit. But... Just a note, the Bible also shows that God rules over darkness. Darkness is not able or stronger or better than God, but it's a reality. The Bible talks about darkness also being this ignorance of spiritual things, especially the rejection of God. When the Bible talks about darkness, it's talking about rejection of God. Rejection of godly things, rejection of who Jesus is. So it's this claim, it's this, I am the light of the world. It's here amongst this backdrop where Jesus is making this claim. This claim is strategic, but it's super powerful. I want us, and and maybe even some of us sitting here, I know for me, as I was uh, researching some of this and trying to work on this message, uh, the, the magnitude of Jesus being the light of the world, I, I kind of got, but I kind of didn't. I didn't quite understand the magnitude. And, and for me, I go back to the 90s. I'm, I'm doing that a lot today, <laughs> these days. But I, but I remember thinking about Magic Johnson in, uh, uh, telling the world, making this announcement that he had the HIV virus. And I remember how that hit the airwaves and how 
The NBA as a league just didn't know what to do. As an organization, they didn't know what to do. At the time, uh, that particular virus and, and medicines for that virus was unknown, and people just didn't know what to do. They knew it meant something, but they didn't know how big. They didn't know exactly what the implications of it would be. In the same way, when Jesus makes this claim, the people listening and hearing him, they kind of make these associations, but they have no idea how big and the magnitude of this claim. This claim is huge. I am the light of the world. It's no small feat. It's powerful and it's intentional. When Jesus makes this claim in John 8, John gives us some more context, some more history, so that we can see what Jesus is actually talking about. In John 8, in this actual passage, what would have happened before this John 8 passage, and you guys know we've been journeying through John, so I encourage you to continue to read. In John 7, there's, there was this introduction where Jesus is going to these festivals, and at these festivals, there's often feasts where people eat. Who likes to eat? Come on, somebody. I'm getting a little hungry myself. And at these feasts, this is where um, you, would, you would come together. You would, you would, it would be fellowship and camaraderie. It would be friendship. Just having a good time, people here at these feasts. And so at this particular festival, and this festival was kind of held within the temple, and the temple is where everyone would meet for religious purposes. <clears throat> In this temple, uh, at this fest festival, every night there would have been a different feast. <clears throat> and as they're going through these each night, um, the feasts uh, are designed so that uh, the, the people of Israel will re would remember and celebrate and sing and dance everything that God had done to bring them from Egypt now into the promised land. They were celebrating their history. And what was cool was they would set up these lamps. And these lamps, would, because the temple was typically elevated, these lamps would sit <coughs> on the side. And they would be these big lamps that uh, uh, shined light. And it, when you research it, you understand that. All of the courtyards in the city, the light would have been, the light from, the, from this feast would have been shining on these courtyards. It was actually called a ceremony. The ceremony was called the lighting of the lamps. And, and it would be lit everywhere, literally lit. <laughs> I had to, I had to say that. Uh, and what was cool is Jesus was at this festival, at this feast, and it's there where he gets up. And looking around, I would imagine, I wasn't there, but I would imagine, he gets up, says, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. This backdrop, this Jesus, this gospel of John. It's where we find this statement. And I want us to dissect a little bit of what that means. Because if Jesus is the light of the world, what does that mean for us? Well, that means we're in darkness. You and I 
are in darkness. If Jesus is the light of the world, then we are a courtyard that's still in darkness. And because we're in darkness, here's the, just the truth. This is the truth and the reality of being in darkness. And I, and I hope as I said that, some of you are thinking when you try to navigate, you try to go to the bathroom at night in the dark, what happens? I, that knee, that knee, I bumped my knee, I didn't see it. It's hard to navigate in darkness. Why? Because in darkness, you are unable to perceive accurately. What it means for us, for you and I, is we are unable to perceive spiritual things in particular accurately. Here's the truth. Your perception of God is wrong. Our perception of God is limited. See, we think that when we do something wrong, God is ready. You know what? He's going to strike us down. Some of us, maybe, if you're like me. I remember thinking that every time I did something wrong when I was playing ball, I would think back, yo, why did I miss that shot? You know what? I should have been nice to her. I was being mean. God is paying me back. I'm not able to succeed in my game right now. Our perception of God is wrong. Darkness means that we are unable to perceive the character, the true character and nature of Jesus. Not only that, we, our, our perception of God's timing is off. We have our own perception of timing. We want things to happen the way we want them. How many of us have prayed like, God, if you do this, if this happens at this time, I promise you I'm going to do X. And we sit and we wait and we, then if it doesn't happen at 3 o'clock, we're like, yo, God, I, I knew you was phony. I knew you wasn't real. Our perception of God is wrong. It's off. Our perception of God's character and his timing is off. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Some of you are in situations right now and you're trying to figure out, well, why am I actually here in this situation? I didn't prescribe this. I didn't ask for this. I shouldn't even be in this situation. But you're in that situation because God's timing is better. And look, I want to be sensitive. I know that's difficult. I've been there. I've been in difficult situations trying to understand what God is doing in my life. And I realize I'm in darkness. I can't fully perceive what he's doing. So if that's true then maybe I should be more humble. Because what it means to be in darkness, not only does it mean our perception of God and his timing and his character are off, but we're probably just a little too prideful. If we think about it. I mean, we probably think about doing things and then we consult God and hope that God affirms what we just decided to do. God, I'm a, yo, this job is the one. You know what I'm saying? I get paid a little extra. Let me go put my resume in. Let me get everything ready. I'm going to go do it. Yo, God, give me that job, please. Yo, please. Yo, I need that. But, but what if life was intended to be the other way around? God, 
What you want me to do? What you need me to do, man? I, I, I really do want that job, but yo, you tell me what you want me to do. And you wait for an answer. And maybe if he doesn't answer, don't move. But, amen. Somebody needs a job. <laughs> hey, I'm just giving it like I, it's given to me, man. That's it. But it's not just jobs, right? It's, it's relationships. It's, it's how we talk to people. It's our generosity. It's all of that. We lack perception. We need to be humble. Maybe, maybe we need to pray more and trust ourselves a little less. But if we're in darkness, we also lack vision. We just can't see what's up ahead. We can't always quite grasp what God is actually doing in the next step. Sometimes he just wants us to get to that first step and trust him there. And then maybe he'll reveal for us the next step. We, all, we also, because we're in darkness, we, we may not be able to see um, what God is actually calling us to be, where he's actually calling us to go, the vision, the whole vision for our life. And so maybe we kind of come up with our own scenarios and we try to pursue those. Man, it's true. If Jesus is the light of the world, then we are in darkness, and we are unable to perceive rightfully. We're unable to perceive God and his character and his nature, and because of that, we need to be a little more humble. And We just need to, to know we can't navigate life on our own. Here's why. Navigating and living in darkness will kill you. It's too... We're not nocturnal. We weren't wired to see in the, in the darkness. We were created for something different. But when I think about this idea that living in darkness could kill us, man, I was reading uh, an article about uh, lighthouses. And I'm like, yo, I found this article fascinating. Uh, lighthouses, when they came on the scene, uh, they were designed to have, be these tall towers somewhere out in the oceans or close to coastal lines, uh, where they had this, um, this special kind of bulb uh, that would take all the light and focus that light on one particular spot. And so the person in the lighthouse uh, would take the, 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 I don't, yes, yes, that thing. You know what I mean. Y'all seen lighthouses. We should have a picture up. It's my bad, my bad. Should have a picture up. But you take uh, the, the top of the lighthouse, and there's a, that beam there, and you can kind of uh, put it in place to place. So uh, the person who was using the light would be able to see clearly what was up ahead. And sailors, often, the reason it was invented is because sailors were getting too close to the coastal lines. They were destroying their ships, and they were dying. And the lighthouse was there. to Someone was there to shine the light to show you exactly where you needed to go, where you needed to navigate, how you needed to shift around this rocky coastline. Where Maybe you needed to stop for a second. Maybe you needed to go a little faster so you wouldn't go, drift off to that direction. 
Jesus is saying that I am the light of the world. And you and I, we need something other than ourselves to navigate life. I love the idea, and I got to stop saying that, but I love the truth that you and I were not created to live in the light. I mean, to live in the darkness. We were created to live in the light, but we're in darkness. So how do we get there? If darkness is essentially everything anti-God, how did we get in this category? Well, it all starts back in the Garden of Eden. Eden represented a place where everything humankind needed was found in God. There was no lack. God was the creator, and we were content being the created. We needed to eat. God provided vegetation. God gave commands and put things in order, and we were content to follow. But it's not robotic. We weren't robots. It was not like God programmed us to do so. He simply created in us this crave and desire for relationship and for him to be the source of that craving and desire of relationship. But what happens? Mankind is deceived into thinking God is holding back something. A lie is planted, and because humankind were not robots, God allowed Adam and Eve to be given an alternative. And here's the problem. That alternative became us, ourselves, themselves. The problem is that you and I were never created to do life ourselves. We cannot bear the weight of navigating life on our own. So we are in darkness because you and I put ourselves first. Isaiah says it like this. We all, like sheep, have left God's path to go our own way. When we are navigating life, we can't trust our view only. We need light. We need light to see. We need light to function. So Jesus steps on the scene. He says, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never be in darkness it's the beauty of the gospel that we were stuck, stuck on ourselves, uh, in and of ourselves. We were inefficient to do anything about the darkness of our situation. And so here comes light. Jesus puts on human nature. He becomes the visible image of an invisible God, and he steps into darkness. But not to dance around it. He steps into darkness to obliterate the darkness, to fully illuminate the light. I mean, the darkness. So there's full illumination. There is no question. Remember, I love how Jesus says at the end of this, he says, and who follows, and uh, anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness because darkness has never been able to overcome the light. But what does that mean for you and for me that uh, if we need the light, we need, to, we need Jesus to be able to perceive rightly. We need Jesus to be able to see our situations correctly. We need Jesus to be able to see ourselves correctly. 
If he's the great I am, we are the great I am nots. And since we are the great I am nots, we can trust in who he says we are because he created us. He loved us. The evidence of that love is seen on the cross. Paul says it in Romans 8. He says it this way. But God proves his own love for us. And that while we were still sinners, while our views of him were flawed, while our perceptions of him were darkened, and we lacked awareness and understanding, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more having been reconciled will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. But what does it all mean? But what does it all mean for Jesus to, to be the, the light of the world for us? For me, I'll tell you what it means for me. I'm in a situation right now, and this is real talk. I'm in a situation right now where I kind of feel hopeless. I'm not sure things are going to get great. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to navigate it myself. And if I were to be honest, all I've been focusing my energy on is how I can navigate it. What steps can I take? What more can I do? And the gospel says that's not necessary. If Jesus is the light of the world, then I need to cling to him for hope. Then I need to grab a hold of what he has done for me and put my efforts aside, or better yet, take my efforts and focus in them, focus them on really uh, holding and grabbing hold of him as the light. Maybe I shouldn't continue to focus on what I can do, but what he has already done. And stand in that. And then when I take that approach, when I step into the situation, man, the darkness gotta flee. The darkness has to move because now the presence and the light of the world is coming with me. He's shaping the lens of how I see it. He's going to make all things new. He's not just going to make a bunch of new things. He's going to take things and make them new. Only the resurrection power of Jesus has the ability to make something dead come to life again. And I find myself in situations where I know I need the light. And if I could just cling to the light of the world, that's where the hope is. You right now, you are in situations where you need hope. You are in a situation where you haven't been able to perceive. You don't understand. And I'm telling you, uh, what I want you to do with this message is, is make sure you're, you're able now to take a different paradigm and say, well, hope is coming in the form of a person. The light of the world is going to show up in my situation, and I need you to trust that. And here's the last thing. As the band comes and you guys can come up. Jesus says in Matthew, he takes his disciples up to a hill and sit on a mountain, and he's telling them about life. This is how you live life. As children of the light, if you follow me, this is how you live life. He tells them, you are to be the light 
of the world. He says, nobody takes a light and keeps it under a table. They hold it up so all can see. Man, my encouragement is that even in your current situation, that those of us who've put our faith and trust in Jesus, don't you know the way you navigate your life is going to be a light to the rest of the darkness? My encouragement to you is, yes, I want you to know and hold on to to the fact that light is coming, that you are, uh, 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 the light of the world has looked at you and looked at your situation, and and the light, the the heavenly lighthouse is going to shine in on your situation. And in the midst of that, I want you to also say, now, I can go be the light in a dark place. I can show up in a place where there is no hope, where they don't even know that hope's available to them. Would you go and be light there? Would you be somebody's lighthouse because God is making all things new in your life? And you can help that process begin in someone else's. I am the light of the world, Jesus says. And anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness but will have the light of life. Let me pray. Daddy, thank you so much for being the light of life. Thank you for who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.